Duty Day Football. I'm on my own for this one. Or am I? Yes. Oh, we're all back together. Right, so this is very different to what we used to. We're not all alone, little portal things, are we? Portal. What, portal? Not a portal. Windows. What am I on about? We've got an invader. Uh, we've got <gasps> an invader. Um, Hello. So, Don't yeah. Uh, how's everyone doing? Welcome back to the JDA Football Podcast. Um, it's been wow. a long wow. time since we've last been together. How long has it been? Uh, start of March. Well, end of March, sorry. Yeah. Which is... Has it been that long? Six months. Six. Six, six months. Six months. That has been long. Um... <laughs> So yeah, we'll be. This podcast should be a long one, um, since we don't have a time limit on it. Um, so, if we'll just talk about everything virtually. Um, do you want to do it in order, or yeah, you're not really that bothered. Um, I want to do the Everton things preferably though, so I can hype us up. All right, okay. So if we start off with Alex's Everton stuff, you oh. go first. Have you got the stuff? Oh wait, yeah, yeah. I think you, you should know. Right, go on. Off the top of your head. So yeah, we have uh, signed three players in Let's the space go. of uh, <laughs> three days, which I'm after absolutely chuffed about. To be honest with you, we've signed uh, Alan for 21 million from Napoli. We've signed James Rodriguez for about 20 million, or well, people are saying about 15 as well from Real Madrid, which I think is a very good signing as well. And we signed Abdullah Decore as well from Watford for 22 million, which I also think is a good signing. So yeah, our new midfield for us. Now all we need is a whole new team. So yeah. Yeah, you just need the rest of the team to work around it. Yeah. So do you reckon they could like bring a new Everton into your squad? Uh, well, I think last season the thing we were desperately needing was a new midfield, and yeah, I mean Ancelotti's just brought it to us, and yeah, he's pretty much done the best he can. Now we need a few defenders as well to to back them up because it's it's quite a defensive midfield as well. Like Allen and Decore are defensive midfielders, but he's trying to play Decore as a box to box, and then we've got James Rodriguez who can also play out wide, which I'm excited about. So, yeah, really good signings for me. Um, sorry about any noise, but we've got an invader. <laughs> we got him in. Hello. Um. So, yeah, well, I'm just thinking, what else could could we go on to now? Right. So, oh, yeah. transfer news. Staying with Everton, um, or going to Wolves now actually. They've signed an 18-year-old. Now, I don't know if he'll be any good. Um, do you know anything about him? Um, no. I've I've heard a bit about him. Like Obviously, he's played for Porto through their academy, and um, he's got quite a lot of goals for the for, for the youth teams, but, yeah, nothing at uh, international or club level. So, yeah, it should be an interesting one. Um, yeah, so that is Fabio Silva from Porto. I don't know how good he'll be. Um, but yeah, we'll have to wait and see how good he is. But Joe, going on to Ollie Watkins now. Twenty-eight million, I believe. Good sign. Yes. What a signing it is. I can't wait to see him in the team. Um, I, I think he's going to be a great addition, and hopefully we can actually score some goals now. Would like to see him um, working with everyone in the team, especially Jack Grealish, um, Super Jack, and um, going to see maybe Louis Barry actually. Um, now, I think Watkins would be a good signing for you. I mean, what's his name? Wesley and Samata. Oh, my they're God. Not, they're not the best, are they? I don't think they're Premier League quality. Um, and I think Watkins is... I know he's not played in the Prem, but I think he'll be better than them too, surely. Well, um, we thought they would be Premiership quality when they settle in. They should have and been. 
And every, uh, yeah, everyone was like, oh, they, these should be Premier League quality when they settle in, and they just didn't settle in. And just did, like, nothing. Modern season. day money. I mean, Samata scored that goal against City, but in the end, that wasn't very vital, was it? No, not really. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, when was that? Win, which is, yeah. Uh, near the start of the season, like the third game, I was actually uh, absolutely fuming. And yeah. Oh, I remember that. I was texting him. <laughs> we never lose. Was that 2 1 when Ogazi scored that winning goal against you? 2 0. You scored in like 90th minute, but yeah. Oh, right. We play absolutely we awful. We've taken more points off you than any other Yeah, team. that's because we've been in the Premier League for like long and we're not good. Mm-hmm. Like we just managed to stay in, and yeah. Why do it, does everyone call him Professor Carlo or whatever? Oh, Carlo Magnifico. That, no. What? Oh yeah, prof- yeah, Professor Carlo. Why? Because, Why do they call him that? Well, we're bad, and somehow he's getting world class players, and even though we don't have Europe, uh, and yeah. Who would you Trippin. call world class? I mean, James Rodriguez. He's James, Alan, Decore are world class. Decore is um, not world class. Yeah, he's he played for Watford. He could play. He could Watford. play for Manchester United. He could play for City. No so way he's time. playing for City. Yeah, when. How, tell me when. It, tell me when he fits into that squad. When Rodri's injured. Well, that yeah, but that's just a backup, isn't it? And he's if yeah. Will Pep play him box, box to box like Carlo would? I don't know. I so. don't know. I don't because he plays four four two, Carlo, but I want him to play four three three, so it's going to be a bit of a difficult. Just for your reason why you want him to play four th- four three three. Because the wingers don't get high enough for up the pitch for me, and um, in a four three three, we could play with Charleston out wide, which I really want, and then Calvert Lewin through the centre, and I don't know who could play on the wing. We we need someone, but we might go in for Lozano or um, who else we're going in for? I don't know. But Rashika or something like that. So, yeah, hopefully we get a new winger and we can play them three at uh, midfield as well. So Yeah. Uh, now going on to Newcastle, and they have been very busy this week um, with the signings of Callum Wilson for about £20 million, I believe. Um, Ryan Fraser. Was he on a free? Yes. He ran out yeah. of contracts at Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, and also Jamal Lewis. Do you know the fee for that? Yeah. Uh, Fifteen million. 15 that was. Million. Yeah. So they've done some very good um, work there. Do you reckon Newcastle could do better than last season? And the thirteenth. Mm. I'd like to see them do better, just to see it, like an underdog rise. But I don't think they will. No. What about you, Alex? Well, I, I, I look at them, and all the wins they get are either quite lucky or they just had one good game, and they seem to be keep. They seem to keep doing that like over and over again in the season, and. Yeah, it just depends if they can keep that form going. And I feel like with these signings, it's, it's quite good going. So, yeah, hopefully they do. I kind of like Newcastle sometimes, but, yeah, I don't really like the fans. So, yeah. It's been... Why didn't you like the fans? Well, I went to the Newcastle match once and, yeah, they were spitting on us. So. On you? What? Were you right next to the away end? Yeah. I, I was on um, the other side of the Gladys Street. That was when I didn't get Gladys Street tickets. So. Rip in the chat. Hmm. They were, they, I got no spit on me just to clear that up. Oh right, I thought you did. I thought you did. No. Oh, what a disgrace! On the, on the Evertonians, what a disgrace! And we did draw that game as well. And they were chanting like they just won the league or something. You've drawn to us at home. But, yeah. But, yeah, but <laughs> when they came to United, they were mad as well. I, they have that one chant and they just repeat and repeat, isn't yeah. it? I don't know what it's called, but no, it's, it's obnoxious. Yeah. Obnoxious. Um, but yeah. Hopefully Newcastle might do better than they did last season. It would be good to see, uh, like you said, Joe. 
Um, Hopefully, Joel Linton can play as well up with um, Wilson. So it yeah, be good. A good partnership with Almiron and um, Saint Maximin as well. I like that. Yeah. Now going on to some not very good news uh, in the England camp now, and it was to do with Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden. Of course, the first they both. Well, Foden started and Greenwood was on the bench, but eventually came on for England against Iceland. But I think it was that night or the following night, um, they broke some COVID rules by inviting some girls over, I believe, to their apartment. But apparently, the places that they went to meet them at weren't booked. Like, England have their own bubble, but they booked hotel rooms outside of the bubble uh, to go and meet them. Do you, do you get what I mean? Yeah. yeah, and it was on the same campus as well, so they were easily going to get caught. Um, so, yeah, they didn't play for Denmark and they had to fly back. Um, what does everybody think I, of it? I think it's stupid they've been knocked off the team. I mean, John Terry, who was um, sleeping, with one of, yeah, sleeping with one of his teammates' wives. As you do. Yeah, you do. and he, was, he still played captain. <laughs> he, he still played captain. Was this for Chelsea? Oh, England. And um, they, they go and just do, like, what? Any guy very would do. Let's be honest, and took a girl round, and they're flown home and not being allowed to play in England. I mean, we'll get onto you. Alex, I can in a see that like they have to set an example, but like John Terry did worse. Yeah, I'm just thinking for Mason Greenwood's girlfriend. <laughs> I think he's been with her like three years. How does he go home now um, and tell her? But what do you think about the whole situation? Uh, well, yeah, it was just a bit immature for me. Like they're young players, and like at this point of their career, they needed to be showing some, um, like not youthfulness, but like development in their career. And I think this sort of attitude shouldn't be accepted um, in the England squad. I know. Lots of times it has been, like with John Terry and stuff like that, but yeah, it's good that uh, Southgate's uh, locking down on some of the things that are going on. But it just makes me think, like, if this was someone like Jack Grealish who did this, then he would have, like, been banned from England for, like, a year, I think. But just because it's, like, two young players have been sort of let off, like, they didn't play one game, but yeah. Why do you think Jack Grealish would get it worse? Cause have you seen that thing with, like, um, Southgate? He got asked like a load of questions about Jack Grealish, and then he just skips on to an, a load of other people, and I don't think he likes him very much. And he didn't pick him either, did he? No. No, he he did get in, but he was like a second pick. I don't know why I didn't pick him, but he, he picked some the reason. player, didn't he? Yeah. Cal- yeah, Calvin, Calvin Phillips. Phillips. I do rate him though, but we don't need three CDMs that are young, thing no. like Declan Rice. Harry Winks. I think Declan Rice is overrated, personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did anybody see watch the England games, the Iceland and Denmark? Uh, I watched the highlights. Did no, you didn't miss out on much. I mean, the Iceland game was very boring first half. And then ninetieth minute. Yeah, ninetieth minute. Sterling scored, didn't he? And then. Nearly a terrible penalty, Yeah, and then Iceland got a penalty. Because it went to like 10 men down to both sides, didn't it? Because yeah. Walker got Walker sent off. And then the penalty. And then the penalty. Finn Yeah. Or Bjornason, I think it was. Yeah, I, th- I think he used to play for him. not just too sure. Um, he got a penalty. Missed that. And then England won some- somehow. South- Southgate even said that they got lucky. Which yeah. they did, to be fair. Um, but it's just the amount of injuries that they have isn't too great. What is it? Rashford... 
don't know who else is out. Holgate. Oh no, nobody <laughs> nobody gives on about Holgate. Um, what? Well, yeah, Dragi Elka. I watched the whole of the Denmark game. What an absolute poor performance that was. I mean, Denmark literally sat back for the majority of it, but n- nothing else happened. Nah. Um, you watched the highlights, didn't you? So, what did you make out of it? Um, <laughs> not much happened. Um, I think he played the the wrong midfield yet again, Gareth Southgate. Um, and yeah, there was just not much creativity going forward. I think I really liked when Grealish came on. And I think he brought some like attacking drive to them, but yeah, put him on much too late and nothing happened. Yeah. Because he doesn't like it. If he'd played him on at the start, I reckon he'd done a lot better than he did. Yeah, I think the passing lanes were cut out a lot um, by Denmark for England. And then it didn't help with us having a right footed left wing back in Kieran Trippier um, when Ben Chilwell's injured, isn't he? Luke Shaw's injured. Danny Rose isn't injured. Who would you have chose, Danny Rose or Kieran Trippier at left wing back? Danny Rose. Danny, Danny Rose, yeah. yeah. I mean, I would just choose Danny Rose just because he's left-footed. Yeah, I mean, like he's not starting for Tottenham, and yeah, have you seen that thing in a Tottenham documentary where he's what, like, with Jose, yeah, yeah, he's like, you're not starting me for for free games and stuff like that. But he's still a decent left back. I watched him for Newcastle, and he he wasn't half bad. Um, and I'd I'd have much rather him to play ahead of Trippier because it's it's just having that left footer down the left is because like having a right footer down the left like limits your options so much and yeah it just would have even though I rate Trippier more than I rate um, Rose I still would have preferred him at left back so yeah uh, even if you're gonna play a right footed uh, left wing back or left back. Yeah, no. Oh, the camera's dead now, so we're relying on Spotify. <laughs> um, so, yeah, even if you're going to bring in a left wing back or a left back, I would bring in Ashley Young shortly. I mean, we didn't see what he did at the World Cup and Luke look how Garbett. far we got there. Uh, who? Luke Garbutt, who? Uh, the guy who? your manager didn't even know the name of. Yeah, that Luke <laughs> Garbutt. Yeah, the one on loan at Ipswich. Yeah. Um, Come on, town. <laughs> but I, d- I don't know. I think Southgate needs to do something that makes England a lot better of a squad like it did in 2018 yeah like we got a load of like um, depth because we got a load of players in the Premier League who can easily play for the England squad and easily should be playing for the England squad but yeah it's just a bit unfortunate how we've got so many injuries at the left back position and it's also down to Southgate as well like I'm pretty sure anyone could have seen we needed a left footer down the left side today and yeah it just didn't make that call so yeah um, if you were today, sorry. if you were Southgate, what would you do with the England squad? Would you like change the formation tactics? What what do you reckon you would he do? He needs to change something up. He's been doing pretty much the same thing since the World Cup, and I don't think it's working at all. Um, and obviously the Euros were cancelled this year, so we didn't have any like real like competition to show off. But um, I do think that he needs to change something up or we're going to get a new manager in because he's not doing very well at the moment. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Alex? Because, like Joe said, he's been doing everything virtually the same since that World Cup. Yeah, I mean, he's. I rated it how he was like starting all the young players in the World Cup and they were doing really well and all that. But you got to remember that, that some players like Danny Ings hadn't had an England call-up and he's just had one of the seasons of his life. And just because they're young doesn't mean that they're the only ones that can develop in the future. Like, 
uh, Jamie Vardy only got his England call-ups when he was about 30, and he still scored like 10 goals. So, yeah, he, although I rate him focusing on like bringing the youth in and like starting them for England and getting England caps and all that, you still have to remember that there's some world-class players that you're still not bringing into the squad, right? even, even though they're probably much better than the young players as well. So Yeah, more experienced, and they can lead a team better, whereas the young players are less like that. Overall. I think, but if you look, we had the youngest World Cup squad, like in that World Cup, and I think with the thing with young players is they just don't care about anything, and I think that's why we did so well because normally players just give a toss about what the media say about the family, but nothing really bad happened in this World Cup, which was a bonus, and the youth players just played and performed very well, and that's how far we got. And I think that's like m- the majority of the reason why we did get so far. And, yeah, I think young players are very good. I know you, like, talk about the experienced players. Maybe I've, like, two or three of them. But I think the majority of the squad have to be youth, surely. I'm I'm not too sure about you guys. Um, Yeah, I I do think that keeping a younger squad is better. But there has to be a few positions in there that can lead the team. So having someone in your back, um, your back line of defence, and having someone in, in goal who can lead a team properly, and then a midfielder who can actually lead a team. And I think that sets you up if you have um, a centre defender and um, centre midfield who can actually like like tell people what to do. That I think it would work a lot better than having a full youth team. Yeah, yeah I think if you're looking at the England team now, you've got Pickford in there. He's... I don't know, he's, he's sort of a leader, isn't he? He talks a lot, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, he's captain for us sometimes, but yeah. Yeah, and then in defence you've got the captain of United, Maguire. Up front you've got Harry Kane. The captain of Spurs? Or second to captain when Lloris isn't playing. And then in midfield, I don't know, Henderson, but if he's not playing you've got, I don't know, Declan Rice and he's not very experienced. So maybe just the midfield spot might need a bit of leadership doing to it. But Grealish is captain of Villa, so why can't he be captain of England? I don't know. I I don't. Grealish is an okay leader, but I wouldn't pick him to lead a whole team. I think we need a better captain at Villa. Um, and Jack Grealish would does he does fit in well as captain for right now, and I do think he'd work well as like a second captain. But I don't think he sh- he should be left with that responsibility all by himself. Yeah, um, staying with like nas- nationality and all that stuff for football, what do you think about players moving to and from countries? Because if I was an Ireland fan, I would be pretty, excuse my French, pissed off with Declan Rice and Jack Grealish both leaving Ireland just to go to England. I mean, I don't know how you feel. You probably feel really annoyed. Uh, but, yeah, what do you guys think, Alex? What do you think about the whole crossing over? Because Costa's done it with Brazil and Spain and a lot of other players have done it. Well, I mean, it, it's pretty much all down to the fact that England have uh, a squad that's twice as good, uh, if not more, as as good as the Irish team or something like that. But uh, it's it's just good now to see teams like Scotland and Wales who are having, like, good young players coming through who probably just aren't good enough for the England squad and staying with Scotland just so they can um, get better. So like Dan James, I know um, the Forest guy from um, f- 
from Leeds, uh, not Leeds, Celtic, sorry. Forest, yeah. Um, what do you think about it, Joe? I'd be annoyed if I was an Irish fan, but Jack Grealish was in the Ireland team because he wanted to be in a national team and he couldn't quite make it to England. Um, okay. And and I personally think that was a bit of a mistake on his part for joining Ireland instead of holding out because um, I don't think he was going anywhere with Ireland really. Yeah, I think if you stay with the like, you can do it with clubs, fair enough. But I think if it's your own nation, you have to start on. You have to start off with one and carry it on because I don't see the point in play, with playing three games with Spain and then go and play for Brazil. Mm. Uh, it's just a bit of like glory hunter sort of with the footballers. Do you not think? Well, I I kind of understand it. Like people like Ashley Williams, they knew they weren't good enough for the England squad, so they went to Wales and they were like first team star and I can understand that like you want to play for your national team but yeah I think they should put more caps on the the amount of leniency that they can like put on because I'm pretty sure Ashley Williams like was about an eighth Welsh but because there was that eighth he could then go on and play for Wales but he wasn't Welsh like he was predominantly English and yeah I think they should just stick with what you predominantly like your predominant heritage and just play for that because it's it's getting unfair. Like Brazil, I'm pretty sure. Well, teams like France, I'm pretty sure. Like most of them uh, were born in like African countries and stuff like yeah. that. And it just means that they've got an absolutely ma- like a great national team, but half of them aren't even French. So yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's like Aubameyang could play for France, couldn't he? Yeah. Before he played for I don't know what his country is. Gabon or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, but imagine if they had Aubameyang, that would be have been insane in that World Cup. Yeah. It, yeah, they won it and they were unstoppable, but they were just like more unstoppable with. Well, they would have just been more unstoppable with Aubameyang. So. What do you think, Joe? Do you reckon if, you, do you reckon like three caps is enough to decide on which country you want to play for, or what do you think about it? I think there should be like a limit on how many games you play before you switch. So if you've played, ten games for England, and then you decide, oh, I want to play for Brazil or something. Um, I think that there should be a limit to stop that. So, say if you play three games, that that's enough. Like you, you should stick with that team now. There's no option to change. Yeah. Um. But yeah, th- those were our thoughts on the whole international situation. But going back to England now, and Troy Genie has been quoted this week, and this is what he's had to say: I scored double figures last season on one leg. How many did Haller get last season for West Ham? Six or seven? Joe Linton for Newcastle, two. Put it into context, these are £40 million players and I only cost £300,000. My time's not up. What do you think about that? I think he's been... I think somebody said to him this week um, that he's still good enough for the Premier League or somebody said that he's not. What do you think about that, Joe? I think he is good enough for the Premier League... um... Obviously, Watford wasn't the team that he thought it was. But um, he's definitely good enough for the Premiership. I don't think he can come out and just slate other players like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's kind of like unfair um, on them, that player. But I do see where he's coming from. Yeah. Um, what about you, Alex Trodini? Um Well, I mean... He- he suits Watford and that's why he's been there for so long 
But if I was a Watford fan and he, he came out and said all this, I'd be thinking, does he think he's um, better than the club? And ultimately, the club's made him where he is today. Like, if it wasn't for Watford, he wouldn't have never been a Premier League player. And, yeah, he would have probably never even got out of the Championship. So, yeah, I think if I was a Watford fan, I'd be pretty concerned that he was leaving. But I can't see a team other than like someone like Burnley paying more than £5 million for him. So Yeah. Um, now we're going to introduce something new so we're going to have um, women's football making a bit of an appearance this year Um, well this is actually the last podcast for this season um, and it's been a long season penultimate yep Um, so this we'll just introduce it now this last episode so we'll just give you the latest news around surrounding women's football Um, this week Lucy Bronze of course used to play for Man City then joined Leon, won about three Champions Leagues or four Champions Leagues in a row with them. She has now signed back. Also, Alex Greenwood, and a lot of people have been saying she's a bit of a snake this week because she started off at Everton, then went to rivals Liverpool, then went to even bigger rivals Manchester United, then went to Leon, and now she's gone to Man City. What does everybody think about this? Alex, of course, she used to be one of yours. What do you think? Uh, well, I can tell you if this happened in, in the men's game, then they'd be slated on social media more than anyone could imagine. But, um, yeah, I can see where where social media is coming from. Like, she, she hasn't... Because uh, I think Everton have this cap on who they can sell to Liverpool. Like, I'm pretty sure they, they ask for, like, twice the price. And I think there's only, like ever been two players that have gone from Liverpool to Everton or Everton to Liverpool. Uh, but that's obviously not apparent in the women's game, which is, I wouldn't say concerning, but yeah, if they want to have the same reputation as the men, then they probably have to like bring in all these rivalries and, and all that. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, fans make rivalries, and I know there's not a great deal of fans at women's games, but as it gets more like more popular... I presume the rivalry would start um, to come ahead. Then, what do you think about that Alex Greenwood situation? Um, like Alex was saying, I think um, women's football would gain a lot more traction if it had the excitement of men's. Um, so there is that rivalry, um, the money as well. Part of the excitement is the huge fees that everyone's paying, and um, I know it's bad because, like before, we never had. Eighty million pound deals going from between clubs, but it is part of what makes modern football so exciting. Um, and I think more like of what makes men's football so good, or so so much more popular than women's should be added. So definitely like um, a lot of hype. Uh, like even ads, so um, like on FIFA and stuff, they could be on the front page, and definitely the rivalries. They need some way to provoke a rivalry between local teams. Yeah, I mean, when it was the Manchester derby last year, it was actually the first season. There were fans like chanting like that they would do in a men's game, not on a, as a bigger scale, but the, it's good to see like the rivalries building up there anyway. Um, but staying with Manchester, now Manchester United have signed Tobin Heath, um, of course a World Cup winning American, um, I don't know too much about her but I think she's a midfielder I believe, 
um, or a midfielder, attacker, winger. Um, so yeah, that's a good signing for them. I think experience is very key, and I don't think women's football's had, especially in England anyway, World Cup winners um, like they have over in America. What do you think about more experience in the WSL, Joe? Um, I think it would be nice to pull in some more experienced players into English women's football, but I don't think that's the way of gaining more followers, if that's what you're trying to say. Um, it needs to be about the excitement of the game rather than um, well, the skill at the moment, because there is definitely a gap in uh, skill between men and, men and women's football but I think part of what made football so popular back in the old days is that there would be like a big rough up between fans and possibly fights. Obviously, that's not allowed in um, modern times, but a bit more excitement and aggression, passion would make the sport so much better in terms of women's football. Yeah, I mean, take um, the MLS, for example. Nobody knew what it was beyond when David Beckham came. Like, I don't know about you guys, but I, I didn't have a clue when he went about what it was. I presume they had a league, but I didn't know it was, like, an MLS. Like, yeah, it was big. But when David Beckham came, everybody from the from England went, oh, well, this is going to be something new. And then it was. And then he made sort of, like, the MLS big worldwide because he's virtually a walking brand isn't he worldwide yeah um so yeah he he literally made the mls popular and then others have come like giovinco david villa rooney and look how big that's come now so i'm just thinking players like tobin heath and other players like alex morgan and megan rapino all in that american squad if we bring some of them over here i think you could make the women's game a lot more popular because they'll want to go and see those players what do you think, Alex? Yeah, I mean, the whole reason uh, the Premier League got so big was uh, due to them spending so much money on bringing the world's best players over, like Ronaldo, Drogba was one of the best strikers in, on his day, and all that, like Thierry Henry, and all, all the best players in the world ever, except for Mighty Pelé's, Ronaldinho's, have played in the Premier League, and I think that's a big factor in why um, the Premier League's such, so big now. Um but it seems like the Premier League are trying to go on a transition from spending a load of money to bringing youth players in. And I think the women's game's doing that, but the opposite way. Because they're now trying to spend the money without doing that much youth uh, thing, just so they can like develop their squad a bit quicker. And yeah, I think it's going to be a bit harder for them. But yeah, hopefully it goes well. And hopefully they get some more financial backing as well, because they get nowhere near as much as the men. So. Well, Dan, you were saying... Uh, to me the other week that the women's record transfer was made the other day uh, yeah it was like City play, or City or Chelsea paid 250 grand for a player from America I believe and I said to Joe compare that to Neymar 200 million it's like disgusting how far it is away yeah it's literally 10 times the price and um, I know there is the massive that difference in the amount of money that women's football attracts but there should be bigger payouts from um, the Premier League to team to the football teams so that they can like see the value in spending big money on the women's football yeah um, a lot of that fair um, what was it um, 
the women and men getting paid in the national team um like the same pay that's come under a lot of scrutiny this week um what do you think about it because people have been saying oh it's a good thing to do changing into modern times it should have been done ages ago some other people are saying well the women's game isn't as big as the men's the men's is bigger more people watch it that means more money's coming in it's hard to see like make a decision because you've got two sides of the debate so I just wanted to know what you guys thought on it uh, Alex you can go first guys. Um well it I think the men's game has had much much longer to develop than than the women's game obviously starting in like late 1800s and it's just developed ever since from then and the fact that women have only got like proper rights after after the second world war um so yeah they've had much less time to develop but I think over time like it should gain popularity I don't think it'll it might be as popular as the men's like sometime but I don't see it becoming as popular in in the near future, but um, yeah, because of the whole thing, like women should be pay, paid as much as men's, like in just in general, like I think that should be a big factor in why they should be paid the same. But then again, like there's there's so much more marketing involved with the men's game than the women's game, and it, like it it's yeah, it's like you pay two hundred million for Neymar. But you you gain about a hundred million back in shirt sales. But if you pay two hundred fifty grand in the women's game, then you're not getting many shirt sales just from a signing. So it's a bit harder for the clubs to like make profit off spending that much money. And I can see it from that perspective as well. So it's it's going to be pretty hard uh, for clubs to be able to afford it as well. Like you're either going to have to make the men pay, uh, get a pay cut or increase the women's pay by a lot. So, yeah, it's going to be difficult how they do it, but I think they should do it. What about you, Joe? What do you think about the whole um, getting paid the same? So, I see where people are coming from when they see, say that women's football doesn't attract as much money as men's football. But I think, especially on a national scale, if it's national teams playing, they should be paid the same amount. Uh, it is harder to regulate in the leagues because there are massive gaps in salary between... Um, uh, say a lower Premier League player to say Messi or Ronaldo but um, definitely on a national scale they should be paid the same amount uh, and I don't think that the point of women's football attracting more money is valid when you talk about it from a national viewpoint Um of course, it's completely relevant when it's in the leagues because that is a big factor in everything in women's football. But I don't think um, that's going to change unless the Premier League and the EFL actually do something to bring in more money. Like I said, bigger payouts. So if they if they provided the same amount of money for the women's, the winner of the Premier League for women's as they did for men. And they put the same amount of hype around it, um, and and marketing. Yeah, we all know how powerful media is nowadays. I think it would definitely make a big movement towards equality in sport, and other sports would do it as well. Like if if the Premier Premier League do it, then it'll happen with rugby. Uh, it's already happening with tennis. But, uh, yeah, it would, it would happen with a lot of other sports. Yeah, I mean, 
personally, I don't think that we should have to pay our players to represent our countries. I think it should just already be an incentive that you've been called up to play for our country. Yeah, I'd happily play for England for free. Like I, I'd even pay to play for England. Like it's it's not something I should be getting paid for if I was a professional footballer. So yeah, I, I agree with getting paid to be a football club because like you have a choice whether you want to be there or not, but. If Gareth Southgate picks you for the England squad, you're going to play for them. Like it's not, a, it is a choice, but it's not like it's. You don't have many more options. So, yeah, it's just playing football, and yeah, I don't think you should be paid at all. Do you think they should get? I don't think it, because um, in the past, playing for your national team has always been a privilege. You're you're privileged to go there. It's an invite, not a job. But now it is. Again, another source of income for these players that are being paid hundreds of thousands of pounds every week. And um, I, I don't think that is what's right. Because you're playing on a national level against the best players in the world. It should be just fun. And um, I think the huge amounts of money are taken out... Um, the fun that the players would be having um, playing for their team. Yeah, um, so I think we're all in agree of, like, we shouldn't... If they're already getting a tons at the clubs, why do they need it for national uh, teams? Or club? Yeah, teams. Um, now we're going to go on to some, like, mini kit reviews. Now, hopefully we'll be doing the kit rankings very soon, but um, we're just going to look at some of the third kits that have been released. Now, Chelsea have released their third kit, and Crystal Palace released their home kit um, the other week, and apparently they look very similar, or the colours do anyway. Um, so Chelsea put a tweet out saying, meet a new legacy, Nike football third kit is here, da 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 Crystal Palace put hash... Uh, so Chelsea put his hashtag it's a Chelsea thing and then Crystal Palace put hashtag no it's not though um, what does everybody think about it um, because I know Alex doesn't really like this Chelsea kit um, or Crystal Palace kit but what do you think about both of the kits Joe they look very similar don't they but why red and blue for Chelsea I get the blue part but yeah, not really the red. the red I think the red the red balls either side of the line on the logo maybe but that's all I can think of no, I don't. I don't see why they've done the red. Um, but you, you can't for Crystal Palace to come out and say you've taken the same colours, um, which is basically what they've done. I think that's um, stupidity, to be honest, because we've got Aston Villa, West Ham, and Burnley all playing in the same colours in one league, and uh, Crystal Palace just just being a bit off about red and blue. Two primary colours that you can't really say anything about. It's not even claret and blue. I mean, I don't really get it because I don't think Crystal Palace's red did look like that last season. No, and it's it didn't not, look as bright. No, it's it's not iconic. It's not as bright as the Chelsea one, and it's just not. It's not an like a very recognisable kit, if I'm honest. Yeah. What do you think about this whole situation, Alex? Uh, well, it's. I, I can tell Chelsea didn't try to copy Crystal Palace at all, but just coming on to the kits, they're absolutely awful, in my opinion. Um, I know, I, I think you said you quite liked the Crystal Palace kit, but... Uh, no, I said I liked the Chelsea kit. But. I, well, if 
If my yeah. if Everton, because we play we play in a royal blue, if if we came out and I, and we had a, a red and blue striped kit, I would I'd be like I'd I'd probably write an email to the club saying throw it in the bin. Because if we ever came out with a kit the same colour as our rivals, then yeah, it'd just be an absolute horror, and that's what Chelsea have done. But yeah, I I really don't like the kit. Either of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, they, they both don't look great, but if I had to choose one between both of them, yeah, it would have to be the Chelsea one by a mile. Like if if that was a team that like didn't have a rival that played in in the colour that they'd also chosen, then that'd be an alright kit. But now going from another kit to another weird kit, um, the United third kit zebra crossing, as people are calling it, um, this week has been released. Um, now, what does everyone think about it? Um, uh, yeah, no, I'm not too keen. Um, well, when I saw the shirt, I was like, mm, it's all right. But then I saw that picture of it on Pogba and it was like all all black and white. I was just like, no, thank you. And yeah, It's going to be weird seeing them playing it, though. Yeah, it's going to be a new sight. What do you think, Joe? Can I ask, what was the, um, the designer at United taking this season? Uh, I don't have a clue. I know that the second kit... The grey, the green, grey one. They have some marks in the background which you can't very see that much. But that was the Joy Division. Um, I can't remember what the album was called. Uh, that was to do with that. So that has a bit of meaning to it. Uh, the stripe things on the other ones that looks like a bus, the home kit. That has some meaning, but I don't think it's very meaningful. Uh, and this one, I didn't really watch the video to it, so I don't really know what the meaning to this is either they all just look weird i think your designer just got bored of the same color every fell season asleep. fell asleep on the the computer and um accidentally hit click uh, clicked on the fill bucket and uh just saw what came out after he'd been doodling I, I, either that or he's been putting sneaky stuff in his drink <laughs> i don't get this though because adidas have like done really well with Arsenal's kits yeah. the past two years, and ours have just been like rubbish. Really, I mean last season's was good, like twenty years since the treble. That was a good kit, but some of them before that weren't great. Um, but like standard red would just do for me. Yeah. Um, and then the third and away kit don't have to be anything amazing. Um, but yeah, that's the design for the United one. Now the Liverpool kit has been released today. The third kit, I believe. Um, inspired by the Anfield atmosphere. Um, what does everyone think of this? Because it looks like... A trampoline. Yeah, it does look a bit like a trampoline. Um, or, do you know, uh, what was it? Vanish or the Flash advert, <laughs> where it has like black and white tiles on the floor. It looks like that, but black and grey. Um, so it's a white collar mixed with a red collar. Um, and then red Liverpool badge and Nike sponsor. And then red at the side and checks in the middle it's a bit of a weird one i don't get the resemblance of the anfield atmosphere do, uh, do any of you an atmosphere um, i don't know it's different for every club in it so. yeah, yeah, yeah what do you think um it's it's not dreadful like it's not manchester united or chelsea <laughs> but yeah it's it's mm, yeah it's, it's nothing special it's no. just an it's just a third kit what do you think joe um i'm not disgusted by it it's actually quite a nice kit but I, I don't get where they're coming from the Liverpool atmosphere 
I think more people need to do, more clubs need to do a uh, an Aston Villa and be very bold with their statements with a disgusting kit that represents one of their uh, retro kits. I mean, some people are saying this is the uh, best kits that the Premier League have ever seen. Some people aren't saying it, but I think for the world as like the whole football scene as a whole, this has probably been the best year. Maybe not the majority of the Premier League, but a best year of the most kits that have been the best, like Inter Milan, Barcelona. Even Real Madrid to an extent, and lots of others. Some teams have smashed the kits this season, and they they have had quite a long time to design them. To be honest with you, like they've had like five months at home, so a lot of designers will have will have had time to look into the club's history and everything like that. But yeah, it's it it just highlights how much more of a disgrace it is to see so many bad kits as well. So. Um. Yeah. So now staying with the kit and the Premier League players. Will wear no room for races and badges on their shirt sleeves in the 2020 to 21 season, replacing the Black Lives Matter logo that was present on their kits in the end of last season. Um, I think, I presume, um, this will be a one season thing, but I hope it's not. But I think that's the way that it's going because I've seen it with a lot of other sports. What What do you guys think? Um, we have covered this sort of stuff on the podcast before. Uh, it's all well and good saying it. You're not actually doing anything to stop it. Um, I think there should be a lot of harsher penalties, but it is good that they're putting such a big focus on the representation in the media. Um, but I think they're, they're not doing enough. So the monkey chants that occur season after season. Um, just disgusting, to be honest. Um, throwing banana peels at players. Uh, I'm, I'm like actively angry whenever I see that. And I think there should be lifetime bans for anyone who is doing that sort of thing. I think that happens the majority of the time, but sometimes they get fined, I think. But there's... there's huge huge areas of fans doing that they won't go and get every single one and i think they should stop the match i think the marshals should uh, go over to that stand and tell every single fan from that area of the stand to leave the stadium but realistically they're not they're gonna have to drag them out no fans are just gonna leave if they've paid 50 quid 80 quid for a ticket if you're looking at the emirates anyway but they're they've been there and what they're doing is disrespecting a sport, letting down their team, um, making other players feel uncomfortable. And uh, again, they're just portraying a bad image of our sport. They've paid there and it's a privilege that they're in that seat, but they're misusing that privilege. If you pay for a car and you go, go out drinking and then drive it, you're not allowed to drive the car anymore. Uh, that's because you've misused your license so uh, I think it should be the same here yeah I mean I don't know what's going to happen with uh, the whole of the taking the knee thing because I think when fans come back into stadiums that'll change a lot because people of our will have different views on the matter um, hopefully, not. hopefully not yeah but people you know there's the odd couple of fans that will yeah. and then that'll just like Joe said make a bad image on the sport but I think the I think it's like good that they're taking the knee and everything like that. But if they do it when the fans are in the stadium and the fans are doing like a bad reaction to it, I don't see the players wanting to come out and do that even more. No. Like, 
I know why they would want to do it, but whether I don't know, it's just those conditions. I couldn't cope with it myself. I don't know how the players would do it. But what do you reckon will happen when the fans are fully back in the stadiums and the players are still taking a knee? If they do still take a knee, Alex. Um. Well, I think it'll be hard, uh, a little more difficult to choreograph it. With obviously, with like, I'm pretty sure they they even have like a moment of silence while they are like taking the knee. And obviously that's never going to happen unless the referee, like, or the, the speaker or whatever you call him, says it beforehand. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be much harder to choreograph. And uh, coming back to the sleeve thing, uh, although I'd probably think it would just be for this season, I, I really hope that they, like, keep it on. And, yeah, it would be a very good thing if they did as well. So, What do you think, Joe, about when fans are back in stadiums, do you reckon um, the players will have a big effect on them yeah I think it would be a good example to show with the players sit and sitting down and taking a knee and whatever but I don't I don't see any fans having a bad reaction to it or a negative reaction yeah but like most of the people who went down to London to like virtually anti-protest it most of them were named football fans football hooligans and most of them go to the games especially if you've got them in the cup and places like that so I still don't see fans um, like arguing against uh, players taking a knee. And if they do, it's all the more reason to stay and do it um, because we're not accepting of that behaviour. I don't know what the what are the fans going to do though because they can't really take the knee in the seat, can they? So what? Just, just stay silent. If if. So the if the referee blows his whistle like they would do for a minute of silence at, um, on Armistice Day, and everyone just falls into silence, and it's like a set thing that they do at the start of every game for this season, we'll have a season against racism, um, to show that football is just taking a stand against it. I think fans would follow through with it. Uh, and then if they don't, I presume they would have very heavy consequences. Um, but. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see because, yeah, it it'll be very interesting to see what happens at the time, and I'm sure well I'll be there. Um, so it'll be interesting and to see what happens. We will as well. Yeah, hopefully we all will. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'll be very interesting, different times especially. But now going on to the PFA awards, um, and now they have been mentioned this week. We did our predictions last week, and I think we got the majority of them right anyway. Yeah. Um, why did you have a go at me for saying De Bruyne again? I don't know. Because we said Mane, didn't we? Because we thought he had a very good season. Um, yeah. Me and Joe said Mane. I, I, I did agree with Alex, though. De Bruyne was also a very good pick. Yeah. Just the assists. Well, it's not hard to get assists when you got one of the best attackers in the, in the league or in the world in front of you. So. Yeah. So, the men's player of the year, Kevin De Bruyne, as I said... Women's Player of the Year, Bethany England. Then Men's Player, Young Player of the Year was Trent Alexander-Arnold, which I all, which we, we all, all agreed with. Yeah, we all agreed that. Um, and then Women's Young Player of the Year, Lauren Hemp. And then Merit Award goes to Marcus Rashford for his helps with charity. Um, uh, I think it's just this year. I don't. I can't remember what. It, when they did it last year or the year before. But the actual PFA team of the year has been released this year. And uh, we didn't really do a prediction for this one, but would you say... Well, I, don't I, I don't really... So, I'll tell you the lineup. So, Pope and Net, 
Back four of Trent, Van Dyke, Soyuncu, Robertson, midfield, De Bruyne, Silva, David Silva, Henderson, and the front three, Vardy, Aubameyang, and Mane. For me, I don't see how David Silva gets into it. I know it's his last season, but he didn't really do that much. Yeah, I, I was... Um... As you read through them, I heard Silver. I was like, "Well, that's a, that's an odd, la- odd name to put in the uh, team of the year." I don't think he's had much of an impact, to be honest. Um, I mean, Vardy, did he get the golden boot? Yeah, yeah I thought he did. Yeah, that's why he got through. Uh, Aubameyang's been very good. Henderson, not too sure about him. Uh, Nick Pope got the most clean sheets, but overall, I think that's a, a decent squad. Maybe Bruno for Silva, but yeah, um, I, I was I was questioning the midfield like Silver and Henderson. I don't think they've had um, a blinder of a season either of them. But um, when I think midfielders, no no one else really comes to my head, so I can see why they've been picked. Um, but Silver, I think as he's he didn't even score as many goals as Bruno Fernandes, and he's he's played since the start of the season. So yeah, I can't really understand him. But yeah, it is his last season, so. Congrats to him anyway. Yep. Um, just one last piece of transfer news. Batshuayi has completed a medical uh, to go on loan to Crystal Palace. Um, so, yeah, short trip to Palace from Chelsea. I think that would be a good move. I don't think anything big to talk about there. Now, Genie Wijnaldum has been quoted this week to join Barcelona, or Barcelona have been interested in him. Um, and apparently he's holding crucial talks today with Klopp. If you were Wijnaldum, would you go to Barcelona? Or would you stay at Liverpool? Because Barcelona's midfield at the moment is ageing. Uh, they lost Artur to uh, Juventus as well. And yeah, he gets to play with De Jong as well in the midfield, which I think could develop his career a lot, even though he is 27, 28 now. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, um, I would. And there's no guarantee he'll start for Liverpool either because they have got Henderson. Um, Kate is even on form now and... Fabinho, so yeah, no guarantee he'll start. No guarantee he'll start for either of them either. But yeah, I think Barcelona's best for his future. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Joe? Do you think he'll go to Barca? Or if you were him, would you go to Barca? I wouldn't go right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot going on at Barca at the moment, and I, I personally wouldn't want to get into, like, into that at the moment until everything's settled down. Um. Well, they are bringing in a lot of changes, so now could be the the season to get in there. They could have another, I don't know, five years of reigning champions of well, Europe and La Liga. I think if I was him, I would think about the trophies at the moment, and the Liverpool are one of the best, if not the team, to win a trophy in Europe this season. So yeah, I would stay with him. Now, Mikel Arteta's job title has been changed from head coach to first team manager. Now, I think this is Kronke and director of sports having a bit more control over the whole of the club because the manager normally manages virtually the whole side of the football aspect and managing transfers, I presume. And then head coach is just football. And then first team manager, that's just basically the first team. He doesn't have anything to do with women's or under-21s. So what do you think about that restricting Arsenal? Well, Arsenal restricting Mikel Arteta's, like, what he can do with Arsenal. What do you think about that? Um, well, it it kind of says something that's not being said uh, to the media about what's happening inside of Arsenal. Like, we can see that on the pitch that they, they have developed since Arteta has came in. They've obviously won the Charity Shield and the FA Cup, 
which I really rate uh, from them. But the fact that Mikel Arteta's done such a good job and then um, reduced like his job title from head coach to first team manager um, like almost states something that we're not being told. So I just wonder what that is. What do you think, Joe, with the lack of access to other teams and just being with the first team? Well, I'm just wondering why he's been changed. Why, why can't he just be the general manager? I presume that's for Kroenke, who's the owner, who many Arsenal fans don't like, and the sporting director to have more control over the club as a whole, and Arteta just focuses on the first team, and then the women's team, the manager focuses it on for them, and then under-21s, etc. So, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Maybe it could be so that he focuses on the first team. I'm just really confused. I don't know if it's a weight taken off him or put on. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one. Um, but Ronaldo has really reached 100 goals, international goals. Um, he's the first... 101. 101, yeah. He scored two goals in one night. And he's the first European player, I believe, um, to score on over 100 goals internationally. Um, now... Norway coach Lars Lagback, I don't know how to say his name, uh, has been quoted this week about Erling Haaland and he said, I haven't seen a guy since maybe Messi or Ronaldo that developed at such a young age. Now this is a very, I don't know, a very big statement to put out there considering you've got your Mbappes, I'm trying to think of anybody else who's quite young and done well. Sancho, yeah. Um, Trent. Mason Holgate. No, not Mason Hall, okay. Um, but w- do you agree with that quote? or? Um, well, he's had one breakthrough season and he scored quite a lot of goals and then gone to the Bundesliga and scored even more goals. But um, to, to, be, to be classed as on the same level as Messi or Ronaldo is a massive statement. And unless he proves that like for the next season and the next season after, like Mbappe did, and I think that's why he's so high rated then. I don't think he can be on the same uh, wavelength as um, Messi or Ronaldo. So. I, d- I do rate him, though. He's a, a really good player, but unless he proves himself. Yeah, I think he'll have to go to all the leagues if he wants to prove himself. What do you think, Joe? Well, for as long as I can remember, the arguments have been whether um, Messi or Ronaldo are the best players in the world. Um, and It's got to have been at least 10 years that people have been saying that. Um, and that goes to show how good they are. So, of course, it is a massive statement from him. Um, good bit of praise for Haaland to hear, but um, I think it's way too early for people to say that because uh, he hasn't really had like a, a career yet. He, he hasn't got much on his CV at the moment. And, yes, he is a class footballer, but I'd love to see where he goes. Yeah, it will be interesting. Um, and last thing that we're going to mention is the FIFA ratings have been revealed. There's been a lot of controversy this week. Um, Alex, I know you're a big FIFA man, so if you want to take over this, you can. So, yeah, uh, EA have released the top 100 uh, players on FIFA, but um, we're probably going to just read out the top 10. So Messi's actually got a downgrade to 93, but he's still the highest-rated player on the game. Um Ronaldo's got a downgrade as well to 92, which um, is a bit controversial because I'm pretty sure it's the first FIFA we haven't had a 94 rated player. Unless there was one in like FIFA 18 where they were both a 93. But yeah, 
Messi's still higher than Ronaldo. Lewandowski's got a plus one upgrade, I believe, to 91. So is De Bruyne, he's 91 as well. Um, Neymar's got a downgrade uh, to 91, even though he did make it to the Champions League final. Uh, Oblak, I think that's an upgrade again, is it? To 91 from 90, I think so. Uh, quite controversially as well, Van Dijk's stayed at 90. Uh, Mbappe's gone up from 89 to 90. Uh, Salah's got a 98 card again, and Mane's gone up two to uh, 90, which is probably deserved as well. I rate Mane higher than Salah personally, but yeah. Yeah, and there's been a bit of outrage about the pace. Nabry's gone to an 82, and Sancho's an 85. So do you reckon that will be the gameplay that's changed at all? What do you reckon? Um, well, I know in like recent FIFAs, it's just been about pace, um, and we can see a lot of players have had a downgrade this season, and yeah, it's probably due to the fact that they've been testing it out and it's just been pace again. So, yeah, they've probably downgraded them from then. And there's no way someone like Gareth Bale's 84 pace and Nabry's 83 pace is just a bit ludicrous for me. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's the FIFA update for you. But just before we go, we've got a Fantasy Premier League that you can join. Um, match day one does start tomorrow. Half 12, get your teams in oh. for then. Uh, and the code for our league is... Cap- all in capitals FFUR3E just to say that again FFUR3E so yeah make sure to go and join that um, £10 for the winner £5 for second place and £3 for third place yeah. but it's been a blast it's been an hour and it's been the end of this podcast episode I think it's 36, 37 the last episode of season 1 yeah last episode of season 1 so yeah a new season two will start next Friday. Um, so yeah, make sure to keep your eyes peeled for that. But make sure to, well, I was going to say like then, but it's, we're on Spotify now. So give us a follow, share us around. And um, yeah, please do check out all of our content, especially on YouTube as well, and follow all the socials. But yeah, that's a bye from me. And me. And me. Thank you for listening. Oy. Have a good weekend. <laughs>